what I love about tacos? What's that? Everything. Do <laughs> <laughs> tacos get any more kick butt than this? Oh, they're about to, all right. You at Taco Town. We take a crunchy all-beef taco, smother it in nacho cheese, lettuce, tomato, and our special southwestern sauce. Then we wrap it in a soft flour tortilla with a layer of refried beans in between. Sweet. Then we wrap that in a savory corn tortilla with a middle layer of Monterey Jack cheese. Awesome. And it gets even awesomer when we take a deep-fried gordita shell, smear on a layer of our special guacamolito sauce, and wrap that around the outside. This is pretty big. It gets bigger because we bake it in a corn husk filled with pico de gallo. Then wrap that in an authentic Parisian crepe filled with egg, gruyere, merguez sausage, and portobello mushrooms. Can I eat it now? Sure. But not before we take the whole thing and wrap that in a Chicago-style deep-dish meat lover's pizza. Pizza? Now that's what I call a taco. Well, it's not a Taco Town taco until we roll it up in a blueberry pancake, dip it in batter, and deep-fry it until it's golden brown. Then we serve it all in a commemorative tote bag filled with spicy vegetarian chili. It's 15 great tastes all rolled into one. The new Pizza Crepe Taco Pancake Chili Bag, only at Taco Town. Ah, gluttony. <laughs> Welcome to America. Your kind of place, Dan. My kind of place? Yeah, Taco Town? Yeah, I'm preaching to myself this morning. I wish we had a Taco Town in Troy. That's not a real restaurant, just so you know. They don't actually do that. You just needed pumpkin spice. Uh, pumpkin spice taco? I, you know, I, I thought Taco Bell made them last year, and then I heard it was just a joke, and I was so disappointed. <laughs> well, we've been preaching on this series called Overcomer, and we've been going through a lot. A lot of people have been sharing a lot of stories on loneliness and addiction and depression and anxiety and on and on and on. And today, I want to focus on one addiction. Last week, a lot of people shared, uh, so Stefan shared about cigarettes, and Harley shared about drugs, and uh, Debbie shared about alcohol addiction. And I want to share with you one addiction that is perhaps harder to get away from, and that is food. Food is um, a lot, I don't know if you consider yourself a food addict. Some people admit that jokingly. Other people, uh, we don't realize, we don't recognize, or we ignore it. But it's not like alcohol or drugs or some of those other things, heroin. You can stay away from those a lot. But food, everybody's got to eat. You got to eat, don't you? Now, gluttony is one of those sins in the Bible that is, ooh, this may be America's most acceptable, most socially acceptable, most permissible, most ignored sin, most overlooked. See, what Christians like to do is we say, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe she's wearing that. Why would they ever say that? Those people over there. And we're judging, we're judging, we're judging. And all we need is a mirror to just look a little bit and say, you know what? I have not only sins in my own life too, but I have a sin that is just not, it's just not talked about in the church world very much. I was looking back, this is actually the first message I've ever preached on gluttony here at Torrey Church in 10 years. 
I've, I've probably mentioned food, I'm sure. Uh, addiction, you know, food problems in a few times. I've mentioned tacos a lot and pumpkin pie. But food addiction is one of those things that we just like to, you know, uh, oh, is it gluttony today? You know, I think I'll go back to junior church and I'll, I'll help out there. I don't want to hear this because we're, um, we live in America and it's a struggle. It is a struggle for so many people. And it's hard to hide, isn't it? I have here with me a can of Pringles. Okay. Now, I tried to find the most gluttonous can of Pringles I could find. This one is a burger Pringle, and it has one, two, three, four all-beef patties. It's supposed to taste like a Moa burger? I don't know what that is. We should find out. Drum roll, please. You know, some things just shouldn't be on a chip. You ever see like the ketchup lays and you're like, that's disgusting. And then my kids want to eat the whole bag. It's a little, it tastes like it was too well done. Like it was um, burned a little bit. Mm. Does anybody know what the original <laughs> the original Pringles slogan was? Shout it out. You can't eat just one. I think that might have been Lay's, but that's good too. Was it? That is it. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Once you pop the can, once you pop you can't stop. If that doesn't sum up gluttony, I don't know what does. Mm. I'm going to get the chips out. Um, Isaac, Isaac was looking this up a couple of weeks ago. They wanted to talk about the seven deadly sins. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. And we got to gluttony, and he said, what is that? And I told him it's, you know, it's when you overeat to the point where you're sick, but I know there's a little more to that. Uh-huh. So... There's a lot more to it. I wish he was here. This would be a good. Well, I'll, I'll, a good thing. We we record all the messages. Okay. And would it seem odd if I sent him a message on gluttony? Hey, we preached about gluttony. I thought about you this morning. <laughs> no, he just. He, he, this is what it's a hard one to send to your friends. <laughs> hey, Dan preached on gluttony. Just you came to mind. <laughs> he didn't know what it was. Well, you can tell him. He was curious. He, he can go to the Troy View YouTube page, and it'll be on there tomorrow. How's that? And I'll, I'll just, I'll pass these around if you want to. Anybody? You going to go get the water also? Everybody's shaking their heads? I'll try one. Come here, Hallie. I'll try one, too. All right, get in here. I'll try one, too. Get one for me, All right, so Hallie, you're responsible for passing these around. Raise your hand if you want a burger Pringle. This is how bad it's gotten. Okay. So, gluttony in America. Once you pop, you can't stop. Or, what was the Lay's? You can't eat just one. That really sums up the, the sort of the definition of gluttony. And unlike other addictions we mentioned, it's just food is everywhere. And it's really hard. It's so convenient in our world today. Um, 
food just, you, you press a few buttons on your phone and food magically shows up at your door. It's incredible. People thousands of years ago, it would have blown their minds. I don't have to go hunt a deer and skin it and cook it and do all these things. Like a lot of the day was preparing food for these people. And now we're like, oh, I don't know, what do I don't know. Burger King, Taco Bell, McDonald's. And there's like a million restaurants just in Troy. You go down the list, anything you want. It's a really socially acceptable. You know, what do we do when we get together? We eat. Not that eating is a bad thing, and I don't want to leave you with that taste in your mouth this morning. Eating is not a bad thing. Jesus did a lot of eating when he was together with people. Um, it, it's a communal thing that brings people together, but we just got to make sure that the, the people are focused, that God is the focus, and that the food, Hallie's really grimacing over here. Maybe too much flavor. <laughs> Where'd that Pringles can go? Well, now you know if you ever see it in the store. A limited time only, maybe for a reason. So, food is socially acceptable. Food is so convenient. And, you know, we live busy, busy lives. Go, go, go. And it's hard to just cook all day, every day. You, you got stuff to do. Um, so it's easy to just grab something on the way home. In America, food is so abundant. People, like I said, thousands of years ago, even a hundred years ago, it would have blown their minds how abundant food is. You know, we think about Bible times or even hundreds, just a couple hundred years ago. My, my kids are like, why didn't Jesus just go to Walmart and get the food for the 5,000? And it's, it, we just, it's hard to not imagine living in a world with Walmart where you can get fruit that is not in season here that doesn't grow in Ohio, but we truck it in from all over or fly it in or whatever. I think he wants a Pringle. No. So it's abundant. It's socially acceptable. It's everywhere. It's in such large quantities. You can go to Sam's Club and get a 50-gallon jar of mayonnaise. I don't know why we need a 50-gallon jar of mayonnaise, but we have all this stuff. And it's just, so much of it is junk. You know, they used to eat, like, apples. You know what the ingredients for apples are? Apples. I mean, we still eat apples, but their ingredients was like just a couple of things that they put together. And if I read you this list, I could not pronounce half these things. And there's so much in it. It's just so much junk. Genetically modified and engineered food. And scientists, um, they know that food is addictive. Okay, They know salts, fats, and sugars stimulate our tongue. It stimulates our brain. And um, they know this. And they, they engineer the foods. What's that? Maltodextrin. They put... They put maltodextrin in a lot of stuff. It's the, the substance is actually an addictive chemical. It makes you not be able to stop. Sodium glucamate. Sodium glucamate. What's that back there? What is MSG? Maltodextrin is your thing. That's like a gluten thing. Okay, MSG. I don't know what that stands for. Monosodium See, it had a glucamate in it. Yeah. sodium. I don't even know what this stuff is. That's the problem. We don't know what we're eating. Mono, sodium, glucomate, whatever. MSG, I butchered it. 
they put, they know that it's addictive, and they say, hey, if they can't stop eating, then I'll make more money because they'll keep buying it. And they know that. The restaurants know that. The companies know that. The the gas stations, they put the, the arrange the stuff and they put the yummy things there and they know that it's convenient and you'll just eat it and you'll just go, 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 go and you just can't stop. Yeah, Fred? Okay. When I was, uh, first went in the service and we went out in the field, we was eating uh, cigarettes and that was made back in 1949. I guarantee you wouldn't eat very much of that. Smoking cigarettes or eating cigarettes? Huh? Did you say cigarettes? Sea rations. Sea rations. I'm sorry. That's where they confuse you. Sea rations. Yeah. Not great. That'll make you... Um, I don't think they had tacos. Eat in very moderation. Like... <laughs> Yeah, they didn't have tacos in the packs back then. Well, they give you a box and say that's what you're supposed to eat yeah. for a week because uh, there's 12 boxes in there. And they probably didn't gain a lot of weight back then <laughs> with those sea rations. And everything mm-hmm. else was made back in Mm-hmm. Well, nowadays they just pour sugar into everything and salt and fat. You know, scientists have done studies with rats and they found that the sugar uh, to a rat is like cocaine. And it is so addictive. And, and for us, for humans, it, it activates the reward center of our brain. It, it releases dopamine. It's that addictive hormone. And scientists know this. And it makes us feel happier. And the, the companies know this. And they try to hook us in. And they just pour sugar and sugar sugar into everything. Sugar used to be a hard commodity to find. And now you can't get away from it. And it's killing us. So much sugar everywhere. Um, and of course, studies have shown the past year and a half, glut- gluttony, I was going to say glucamine, monosodium glucamine, gluttony has reared its ugly head during this whole COVID business more than ever before. Lockdowns, working from home, there's uh, doing school from home, and you just home, 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 and then you're home and you don't really feel like cooking, so we then we get takeout or DoorDash or whatever. There's been restrictions for a lot of fitness centers. There's been restrictions for a lot of leisure activities that we used to do. Things just were not open, and so it led to a lot uh, less physical activity, just sitting there, eating, 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 being uh, eating because we're bored, eating because we're stressed, eating because of the news, eating because, uh, you know, for our emotions to comfort us, compulsive, binge eating, and then people are stocking up on food because they think the food's going to disappear off the shelves, and it did for a while, but a lot of what people were stocking up on was non-perishable items, which have lots of lists of chemicals in them that we probably shouldn't be eating. It's amazing to me the past year and a half, um, stay home, stay safe, stay home, stay safe, all this stuff. Safety and health has been elevated perhaps more than ever before in the public eye. Stay home, stay safe, take the vaccine, stay safe, stay safe, stay safe. And yet, with food, we're literally still, perhaps worse than ever before, killing ourselves. And so we're, we're, we say all this stay safe, stuff, stay safe stuff, say that three times fast, while we continue to dig our early grave with our fork and our knife, in a way. It's literally 
our overeating is killing us. And stay home, stay safe. How much? Um, how many people have changed their or, or, or gotten any better with their diets in the past year and a half? For a lot of people, it's just really been tanking, and um, there it's a problem. Yeah, Gary. Well, the problem is slow motion. <laughs> slow motion? Yeah, I mean, mm. you know, you can walk out the door, and if you aren't safe, a car can hit you. But these are slow motion. Yeah. You don't know it's killing you until it's too late. It kills us slowly over time. And we don't see the effects right away. Some things put on the pounds faster than others, but it's a slow process, yeah. Not just getting hit by a bus or catching COVID. Those are the things we you know, focus on. I'll give you a few stats and then um, I'll try to share a, a couple helpful things, main points today. And back in 2015, the CDC, I don't know if you ever heard of the CDC. <clears throat> they said back in 2015 that 40% of adults were obese, 71% were overweight, and 630,000 people died of heart disease. A third of people were pre-diabetic or diabetic or had diabetes already. Um, obesity truly is the, what some people call the black plague of the 21st century. And we are digging our early grave. In 20, uh, 2008, obesity-related costs totaled $147 billion. I don't know what all that entailed. Maybe for health insurance and surgeries and just difficulties in our society. It's a problem and we are all gluttons for punishment. And we're just doing this to ourselves every day at every meal. So who wants to go out to lunch today? Where are we going? Where are we going? Oh, yeah. Am I buying? Okay. I'll, I'll give you some Pringles. Listen, I don't want to make you feel bad about your weight. Well, Dan's just, uh, you know, he's gone from preaching to meddling, and, and this one hurts a little bit. Um, but I want to try to address the problem and give some solutions, okay? I think it's something that a lot of us struggle with. So if you have your little bulletin insert, you can write this down. This is, um, I was trying to think about the main problem behind this this week. I think it's more about the heart than the stomach. I know it is. It's more about our hearts than our stomach. And I don't want to get too literal, but you know, heart disease is a big condition with obesity. But more than that, with our spiritual hearts, it's more about our heart than our stomach. Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes these words. Their, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. <laughs> Other versions say their God is their stomach. Their God is their appetite. Boy, how true is that for so many Americans or at least us from time to time or every day. Just depending on who you are. We all struggle with different things. Some of you this isn't a struggle with, but a lot of people it is. Okay, Their God is their belly. But it's not just about eating. Okay? And it's not just about food. It's about worship is what I want to get across to you today. It, it's about our heart. It's about where do I run for fulfillment? Where do I go for satisfaction? Where do I go for comfort? Where am I going for peace? Is it a pint of ice cream that I'm going to? Is it a drink that I'm going to? To try and make me happy or give me joy? Or am I satisfied in God and drinks and foods are, are bonuses. I don't want to say icing out the cake, but that's pretty accurate. Okay? 
Do we run to God and Jesus for what we really need in life? Or do we run to food? Or another addiction like we talked about last week. With food, we can have this unrestrained overconsumption. And that's the general definition for gluttony. Unconstrained overconsumption. And it's where we turn a good thing. Food is good, right? We need food to live. But we turn this good thing into a God thing. And that's where a lot of idols come up, where we turn even good things in life into God things. And they become too much of a focus, and and we find all our joy and satisfaction and fulfillment in them instead of God and Jesus. Food's a gift, food's a blessing, we need nutrients, but we can turn this blessing into a curse too easily with what we shove into our gullets, Right? And we can distort the good gift that God has given to us. See, there's a fine line between loving pumpkin pie, <clears throat> anybody, or being a taco enthusiast, or being a coffee lover. And then it goes from that to, okay, I'm a taco worshiper. I'm a pumpkin pie worshiper. I'm a coffee addict. And we joke about these things. We're like, yeah, I just can't stop drinking coffee. Ha, ha, ha. And it's so funny, except we're crying on the inside because we know we literally can't stop drinking or eating this thing. And that is a problem. And food addiction is a real thing that we deal with. And it's socially acceptable, so we don't deal with it as much as we probably should. But there's hidden truth in joking. And we've got to be careful with what we say and careful with what we put into our mouths. You can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in your uh, Bibles, New Testament, uh, over three-fourths of the way through, near the end. I want to share with you a lot of verses today, and I'm trying to uh, be a little quicker. We're not going to turn to all of them. They are in your notes. There are a lot. I encourage you to read over these um, verses this week, pray over them, ask God, how do you want me to change? And um, if you're the average American, there's probably quite a bit on this that we need to change to follow God Jesus closer in our eating. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy and you are holy. You've probably heard that before, that your body is a temple. What does that mean? Is it a building? Sometimes they feel pretty thick, right? Like the rocks on a temple, like the bricks. Your body is a, is a temple. It, um, God's Spirit is inside of us. If you are a Christian, living and breathing and, and moving inside of us. And we need to honor God with this body that He's given us. So we, we talk about a lot about money management. We're going to talk about money in a few weeks. I'm not going to tell you when, because then you won't come. But we're going to talk about money. And we it's easy to say, oh yeah, manage your money well. We got God calls us to be good stewards of our money. And we get that concept. God's given these resources for us to manage. We want to do it well. But it's harder to think God has given, or we don't like to think as much, God has given me this body I need to manage it well. I need to be a good steward of my resources, of my body. I need to exercise. I need to eat right. Enjoy treats sometimes, but a treat every day isn't a treat. It's natural. It's a normal part of your diet. A treat, by definition, is not very often. Okay. We know we need to do all these things, uh, but it's just harder to do. It's just so hard. 
time and energy and lack of motivation and food's all around us and my friends are eating the food and the family's eating the food and we buy all this stuff and it tastes good. It's really hard, but we've got to remember that God gave us one body. We get one chance in this life to honor Him, to glorify Him with our body, to manage that body well. How are we doing with that opportunity? We've got to ask ourselves. Skip over to chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 12. Another couple verses here. But can I eat pumpkin pie, Dan? Are you saying coffee's sinful? No, tacos are definitely not sinful. They are a gift from heaven above. I know that. On the eighth day, God created tacos. I'm sure of it. Okay. But... <laughs> Look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. You say, I am allowed to do anything. We have freedom, yes. But not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, quote unquote, I must not become a slave to anything. We talked about slavery a little bit with addiction last week. He says, you say, food was made for the stomach. Oh, here we go. And stomach for the food. This is true. Though someday God will do away with both of them. And then he talks about sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. The Lord cares about our bodies. So we wanna, we're called to honor God with our bodies sexually. We've talked about that before when we talked about Joseph and Genesis. Sexually, but also nutritionally. And I don't know what exercisally is, what the word for that is. Physically, I guess. Physically, nutritionally. God calls us to honor Him with our body. Our bodies were made for the Lord. The Lord cares about your body. It's not, whatever, doesn't matter. I'm going to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, however I want, however much I want. But it's hard. It's, it's hard to remember that when the food tastes so stinking good and you just want to go get your four slice of pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving and then just lay over on the couch for a couple hours and hope you can get back up later. Thanksgiving, boy. Gluttony giving, I don't know. We need to be thankful, but maybe, maybe we need to scale it back just a little bit in our lives. Um, I heard this week, your body's not a trash can, it's a temple. But how much junk are we putting into our bodies? We've got to manage it well. We have freedom in Christ, but that doesn't mean that we should just go crazy and drink five pots of coffee all day long. Or, or just you know, eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, eat to access... Um, unrestrained out of control compulsive eating is a real thing now we talk about this gluttony compulsive binge eating and some of you might be saying oh I'm exempt from this message I don't eat a lot I, I, I can control it I eat sweets sometimes I, I am at the correct weight and so I'm not a glutton and Dan I'll send this message to my friend who definitely is a glutton and my family and not me. See we like to ricochet. Pew, 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 pew. Not me, not me, not me. This verse doesn't apply to me. But gluttony, I just want 
us to understand this before we go further. Not all those who are overweight are gluttons. There are such things as chemical imbalances and medical conditions. Not everybody who is overweight is a glutton. And not all gluttons are overweight. I knew this guy in high school. Josh. He was six foot four. The dude would pound like two pizzas down. I can't... I, I was done at like three slices. Like I was full. And he would just keep going and going. But he was skinny as a rail, this guy. And he exercises a lot nowadays. He's, he's fine. But gluttony is a heart issue more... It can show itself in a weight issue. It can show itself with overeating. But it can also show itself even if you're skinny, but you cannot control your appetite. It can also show itself if you are so focused on dieting and recording. Okay, I ate two and a half grapes this morning. Some people track their food. I'm not saying tracking food is bad. It's actually probably a wise thing to do to see what we eat and what we need to change. But if we are so hyper-focused on what we eat, on our diet, that's obsessive. That's kind of a form of gluttony because we, our hearts are so turned towards food that maybe we're pushing God out a little bit there too. I'm not saying a diet is a bad thing. I'm just saying the hyper-focus on food is the issue, is the idol, whether you weigh a little or a lot, whether you are on this strict diet or not, whether you exercise a ton or you don't. Exercise can become a God too. Trying to make ourselves into a Greek you know, God or goddess and so hyper-focused on our body, too focused, that our body becomes our idol instead of God. And we're worshiping our body and our muscles and our diet rather than worshiping God. So I just know that it can manifest itself in a lot of ways here. Okay? Not just about being overweight. So, we've, been, uh, we've had a lot of people share stories the past few months, come up and share. And this morning we're going to watch a video. Would you roll that? Of a gentleman you haven't met, but now we will. We also have Pringles if you want to pass these. In our series, The United States of Obesity, we're not only covering the causes of the epidemic, we're also highlighting some of the biggest success stories from across the country, like this one. When I was six, my parents got divorced. We all kind of used food as a comfort to get through the divorce. My weight just kept gradually increasing the older that I got. When I was 18, we found out that my dad had stage four cancer. I came home and uh, my dad walked out. I didn't know what was going on. And he, he hugged me and he said in my ear, he said, John, I'm toast, I'm done. They were giving him optimistically six months to live. I would go to a fast food restaurant and buy a bag full of food. And that was my medication. After his dad died, his eating habits got way worse. My lowest point was the first time I'd gone for a physical since high school. The doctor had to send me to a fish market because they did not have a scale that would weigh me. And they told me I was 540 pounds. The doctor tried to tell me as plainly as he could that if I did not do something about this, I was going to die at a young age. That was enough for me to start trying. I tried every kind of diet you could think of, but I was still defeating myself by 
the late night binges of something else. There would be like stashes of Coke cans and snack wrappers, cookies uh, hidden in places. And I was laying awake late at night on Facebook and I saw an advertisement for joining a boot camp program. I am starting this challenge for the first time tomorrow. I made a video introducing myself and recording me cleaning out all of the crap food from our house. He got through the first six weeks a little rough and I didn't think he was gonna make it, but he kept plugging away and it got easier and easier for him. While I may be proud of what I accomplished, I'm always looking to set the next goal and have something that I'm going after and not being happy or, or complacent with where I'm at. And before we meet John, here's a reminder of what he used to look like at 540 pounds. I'll tell you, you're not gonna believe what you see. John, come on out and join us. Make yourself at home. So John, tell, how, awesome. much, how much weight have you lost in total? Uh, I've lost over 300 pounds. And uh, 297 of that was in the last 15 months. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you did it all naturally. Yeah, all through uh, eating right and exercising and the stuff you hear your whole life. When you started your journey, did you imagine that you, would, that you could do this? That you could take it this far? Absolutely not. I, you know, I went to the, the orientation for the first time for the gym, and they had a class going on because it's, it's group exercises, and I almost walked out because I was watching them do these aerobic exercises and jumping around with weights, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to die if I do this. There's no way I can do this. And I, I was this close to walking out, but thank God I didn't. Is that your advice to people? You know, I've learned so much through this whole journey, and there's so many things that you could share and give advice. And a lot of it is stuff, like I said, you hear your whole life. And until you're willing to put those things into practice, those things aren't gonna work for you. And for me, the key was finding a community of people who are like-minded, who have goals to lose weight and eat better and be healthier so that you're not doing it alone. And finding that community and finding that group of people who's gonna not only support you, but also be doing those same things is the most effective accountability But intimidating, and you acknowledge it, very intimidating to take that first step in there. I wanna ask, because your, your wife is here, and when you walked out, I saw pride in your face. Absolutely. What do you think of all he's accomplished? I think he's amazing. Um, he's put in a lot of hard work and discipline. Um, he's endured a lot of challenges and failures, but he just kept trying and kept trying, and he's finally found his success story. You heard a couple, we sure we can clap? Yeah, well, I hear something louder. I heard a couple things there that stuck out. He, uh, his dad had died and he was going through a hard time. And he was going to food to try and find comfort and peace and joy. And, and that's, I think, a big part of our problem is we look to food to try and satisfy things that only God and Jesus can satisfy in our lives. What else did he say? Yeah, just eating right and exercising. Stuff you hear your whole life. But we know, don't we? We know what's good for us to put in our mouths, generally speaking. If you don't, we have Google. <laughs> we have the ingredients list on the back. The less ingredients, the better. The more natural, the better. We know. We know we should move more. We just have to get up and do it and find that motivation. And how do we find that motivation? Well, I don't know. He said, 
I needed a community around me to support me in this. A community. A group of people who believe the same thing as me. Now, I don't know where we would find that in our world today. Except if you look around, we are meeting here and gathering, and maybe there's some people who you could talk to, maybe you've talked to before, who struggle with the same things you do, whether it's food or something else, and they can go on this journey with you and encourage one another, go out to eat with them, and find a good something to eat together, go walk together on the bike path, whatever. Get people around you, a community of support. Sometimes it's your spouse, but sometimes your spouse isn't very interested. Sometimes it's your friend, or your neighbor, or your kids, or your parents, or whoever. Your co-workers, and you go walk on your break. Instead of walking to McDonald's, right? Find people around you for support. That's going to make a huge difference. Uh, a couple of years ago, I just remember this. My brother Mark and my, my nephew-in-law and my other nephew-in-law, we did this thing. Shyla called it the fat smash. And every week, we recorded our weight on this Google spreadsheet that we shared with each other. And for like, I think it was a half a year or a year or something, we were doing this together. And I lost a little bit of weight. I didn't win the fat smash. I think we had like 50 bucks up there. I didn't win, but it made me more conscious and more aware of what I was eating, of how I was moving or not moving. And maybe, and I don't know if you want to share your weight with us, with how many other people because that's kind of a sensitive issue but whatever it is, do something we can do something to hold each other accountable a little bit maybe it's going to be a little uncomfortable but maybe it's going to be really helpful and encourage one another so, how else can we get this right? I want to share, last thought is that, uh, save your biggest appetite for God and Jesus okay Save your biggest appetite for God and Jesus. We want to be gluttons for God, metaphorically, and that we're running to Him for all our comfort, joy, peace, hope, uh, love, instead of to a drink or a substance or food or whatever it is. Save your biggest appetite for Him because only He can truly satisfy us wholeheartedly. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be blessed. Is that your biggest hunger? Is that your biggest thirst? Or is it for coffee? Or energy drinks? Or whatever it is that is your food or drink of choice? And like I said, there's a ton of verses. I'm going to go through a few more as we wrap up here to help us combat gluttony in our lives. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, I discipline my body like an athlete. We're probably not going to look like an Olympian, okay? But we can all use a little bit more discipline. Training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. That's an interesting statement. I was just thinking about that. Now, preaching, I might be disqualified. Training myself, disciplining my body like an athlete. How many obese preachers and evangelists out there, besides just us regular Christians, right? 
Um, we preach, this is a sin, this is a sin, this is a sin. Well, you know, I'm up here weighing 300 pounds. And we need to get that mirror. Yeah, Jim? Sometimes it's not what we're eating that causes it. Mm-hmm. So much of our medications, right. side effects, Water retention. is weight mm-hmm. gain. Mm-hmm. They changed my medication from the original to a generic. In two months, I put 30 pounds on Wow. And I did not change wow. my eating habits whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. And I decided I'm going to check and see if I really need this medication. I weaned myself off of it, didn't take the medication anymore. The weight started coming hmm. off. Mm-hmm. I continued from that point. Yeah. I started at 220. I went to 250. Now I'm down to 200. Okay. But it's I'm taking it off slowly. Yeah. Pound or two a month. And that's why I said earlier a little less. Because we're overweight, that doesn't always mean that we're a glutton. It can be an indication. We can also be skinny gluttons, but there are other factors involved. And we just got to remember, no matter what we weigh, um, for whatever reason, that the heart is the main. I was burning issue. before with yeah. my metabolism, but the medication yeah. changed my metabolism to where yeah. I wasn't burning it anymore. And Medications can mess with our bodies in a lot of ways. I just took some poison IV medication a couple weeks ago, and uh, it is been a, a fight <laughs> on my body and it hurts it hurts I was helping a guy in his yard and I got poison ivy and I'm allergic and it was not a pleasant battle it would be my body would be swollen up and all that if I hadn't taken some steroids but now I can hit home runs so that'd be great all right uh, Paul says in first second Timothy one for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power love and what Self-discipline. God can help us grow in self-discipline. Even though you might not feel like it all the time, we can grow in this. Hebrews 12. Oh boy, here we go. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Or at first. It's painful, isn't it? To change our diet. To change our exercise routine. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. It is so hard with everything in our world against us with this food and exercise and some of you just are naturally good at it and that's great for you and I'm glad but a lot of us struggle but we can grow in discipline even though it's hard and painful push through that and we can not only lose some weight but get those idols out of our heart it's so easy to eat what tastes good rather than what is actually good for us isn't it um we live in a desk-bound, couch-bound, chair-bound culture, don't we? And exercise, we gotta. if we don't plan for it, if we don't put it on our calendar, I know, it doesn't happen just magically. Now me, I play around with the kids and we run around and do piggyback rides and camel rides, they get on my back and all kinds of stuff, dinosaur rides or whatever. And, you know, I walk a lot um, at the zoo. We went to the zoo Friday and Saturday. And I don't know how many miles I walked at the zoo, but little kids tend to keep me a little bit more active. But if I'm not careful, 
you know, as they're growing up, and, and it's just me and Rachel someday. I'm, if I don't plan for it, I'm not just going to go to the zoo and walk 20 miles by myself. Although we did go to the zoo when we were dating. You're right. But not as much, maybe. you got to plan for it. Regular exercise. Or else our lifespans, the, the truth is, will be dramatically shortened. If you're worried about you know, so much about COVID, we've got to be... like The top 10 list of what kills people every year is so many health issues. Heart disease, I think, is number one. From, not all, but from a lot of the things that we eat. Can be other reasons, too. We also need to grow in perspective. Luke 12, life is more than food, Jesus says. If your world, if my world revolves around food, Jesus says life is more than food. Your body is more than clothing. Let's not get too wrapped up in this Proverbs 25 if you find honey they didn't have candy back then like we do if you find honey the author of Proverbs says, Solomon says uh, eat just enough too much of it and you will vomit <laughs> isn't that that's so true I have a nephew who shall remain nameless because he's an adult now and I don't want to get in trouble but when he was a kid every Halloween so, okay, a lot of Halloweens. He would fill up his bag with candy and then come home and eat as much candy as he possibly could. And so many times, I was there one time, so many times, he would see all that candy all over again and throw it up. Recycle. Reci- I don't know about recycle. <laughs> he didn't. Anyway, <laughs> it can make us sick. And even if you don't throw up, um, we can still make ourselves sick in a way. You ever eat so much that you're just like, oh, I do not feel good every Thanksgiving, right? Or every Easter or whatever it is. We can just, oh. Proverbs says, if you find honey, eat just enough. Moderation. Moderation is huge in this. Not saying we can't ever enjoy treats, but a treat every day is not a treat. We went on a family bike ride a couple days ago, and I put a picture on Facebook. There's this huge ice cream sundae that we were eating. A lot of it was the whipped cream, which wasn't really the ice cream part. But you know what? Six people ate it, the one thing. And she said, do you want more ice cream for the kids? I said, no, no, we'll just take one thing. So that helps me a little bit. I get... By the time I get in there, there's only like one or two bites left, number one, because <laughs> they just go crazy. And so, I'll, you know, if we get a milkshake, like we enjoy life. I'm not saying don't eat things that taste good, but maybe get a small or maybe share it with a friend or your spouse or maybe share it with your four kids and then you won't have a problem eating too much ice cream because all your kids eat right. all your ice cream. That's, we went, <laughs> we've seen the ones on Facebook that everybody's going to that rip. Rip Rap Shake Shack. Yeah, I heard that. And when I, we got there, yeah, that's what Eli and I did. We shared it. We yeah. didn't get one of the shake. each get a shake. Yeah. We shared it. Because, yeah, that was just too much. So much. In America, it just, they just pile it on. And in America, too, we're like, what's mine is mine. And what's yours is yours. And I want the whole thing to myself. But we got to learn to share. I, I see a little elbow nudges here. Okay. A couple other right there. What they say is portion your food out mm-hmm. and then leave from yeah. that. In other words, like ice cream, 
Put out what you know you should eat. Right, don't just eat from the container or the chip bag. Yeah. Not a good plan. It's okay to take home leftovers. It's okay to not finish. In fact, maybe plan. Every, when your burger comes, cut it in half and say, I'm taking that home. Just make up some strategies in your mind to help you. And then you can have a, a good lunch tomorrow or whatever. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There's, a, there's so many tips and tricks. I'm not the food expert. I'm not um, the, the weight loss expert. I'm not the diet expert. But there's so much out there. It's really kind of hard to know what works and what doesn't. But try some simple things. Eat what's good for you and exercise. Start there. Portion control and trying to make God and Jesus more uh, on the throne of our heart than food. Simply put. 1 Corinthians 10. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so you can endure. Are you setting yourself up to fall into temptation every time you open your cupboard? Every time you open your fridge? Are we buying stuff that we know we shouldn't eat? That we know we're going to get that container out and just eat the whole bag and eat the whole pint and whatever. Eat the whole gallon. Drink the whole whatever. Don't set yourself up for failure. Like What did he do? First thing he did he cleaned out his cabinets and he took all that junk and just put it where junk goes in the trash. I'm not saying never buy anything in America so much as, you know, uh, if you buy a pack of cookies, don't eat the whole sleeve at the same time. One a day, just set up, set yourself up for success, okay? Remove that temptation. Um, now, we also got to be wise, and, and I don't want to be careful how I say this, but who we hang out with is who we are. Um, God says that. You are who you hang around, right? The company you keep. And, and um, if people are encouraging you into gluttony, eat more, eat more, eat more. Here, I got ice cream for the whole table. Like constantly... Yeah, you're going to eat it. I'm, gonna, I'm not leaving it. Proverbs says, keep your heart on the right course. Do not carouse with drunkards or feast with gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty and too much sleep clothes them in rags. If you have a drinking problem, maybe don't go to the bar to hang out with your friends. If you have an eating addiction, an eating problem or certain things, don't go to that restaurant. Or don't go out to eat with them. Maybe say, hey, I'm your friend. Let's go for a walk together on the bike path. <laughs> Instead of going out to eat, and you know you're going to eat too much. <laughs> What's you say? I said, call us when you get back. Call us when you get back. <laughs> and then we'll go out to eat, right? <laughs> Just saying, it does make a difference who we're around and if they're doing a lot of that too. It can be hard to keep that motivation when they put the bowl of ice cream right in front of us. Or the Tim bits. Or the Tim bits, the pastor who brings the Tim bits to the table. Isn't he awful? <laughs> A couple times, a couple times. Okay, I will not. I know now not to do ten bits. All right. I will bring carrots to the table instead. <laughs> you asked for it, Gary. All right. Grow in self-control. Proverbs twenty-five. A person without self-control is like a city with broken-down walls. Not going to be good for the city. 
Fruit, self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. Last, Proverbs 23. It may be most extreme. Put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. I hope it's metaphorical. Put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. What's he saying? Do whatever it takes to not let food be your idol. To, to have God on the throne of your heart and to crave the things of God and Jesus more than the things of this world. So will you let your appetites control you or will you and I let control our appetites? Will, you let, will we let our appetites control us or will we control our appetites? We're going to sing one last song. And then we're going to have a potluck right back here. <laughs> Smorgasbord. You know what you call a group of gut? <laughs> I heard this week. What do you call a group of gluttons? A church potluck. <laughs> and it's, that's, a, that's kind of funny, but it's the, not really. It's our hearts that matter. It's not the food. You can go to a church potluck and get a little bit of this and that and that and that. Right? But... It's our hearts, like with everything. Where are our hearts? Please know that no matter what weight you are, and we're not going to take a quiz this morning, or, you know, like they say, who's been married 50 years? Who's been married? Who weighs over 200 pounds? Who weighs 250? Can I get it? No matter what you weigh, you are made in God's image. You are beautiful in His sight. And you are an overcomer through Jesus. And He has called you for a purpose, created you for a purpose. So let's chew on that a little bit this week. All right, let's stand and sing to our Savior.
me. Heavenly Father, because your Son, Jesus, is alive, that changes everything in our lives today and in our eternity with you. I pray that you would pour out your power and your spirit on us this week as we go from this building and be your church in the world. Help us to represent you well in all we think, say, and do. Help us to lead other people to you so you can change their lives and their eternity too. We love you, God. Thank you for loving us in spite of our struggles, in spite of our failures. Thank you for giving us the gift of your son Jesus, even though we could never earn it, and we most certainly do not deserve it. That's your grace and mercy in our lives. Help us to show your grace and love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness to the world around us each and every day. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.